live at Bailiwick inside of the Orleans, it's Cofield and Company. Ooh, pardon me. We're back here for another hour. I was just putting down a note. Tease board, Ari. Something I want to talk about at 3.30. we got a big hour on the way. We're here at Bailiwick. Happy hour starts up at 4 o'clock, so uh, come on down. It's at the Orleans. Fantastic sports bar. I'm serious. It's fantastic. The food is awesome. Uh, they've got two bucks off the uh, drinks from 4 to 6, and then the puck drops over at the Fortress, and we'll be hanging out here signing people up for uh, a chance to win a Vegas Golden Knights jersey. We're giving out prizes left and right. Earlier in the week, we kind of sprung it on you. Actually, how about yesterday? We qualified a couple of people on our show to win a Golden Knights hat, also a two-foot sub from Porta Subs, and everyone was a qualifier, at least who called in, uh, was a qualifier to win tickets, Candy, to tonight's game, a playoff game. Here are free tickets. Lisa, congrats to uh, Lisa Keith. She was the winner of two tickets to see the Golden Knights in Montreal tonight over at the Fortress. How about that? Stanley Cup semifinals, game two, and Lisa is in. Special thanks to Porta Subs if you're hungry, and I mean really, really hungry. Get the taste you crave with a uh, sliced, fresh, two-foot classic sub from Port of Subs, which is, fittingly, the home of the two-foot sub. Let's go, 3 o'clock hour. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So this is interesting this week. Uh, college football, you know, a little bit quiet uh, after last week with the blockbuster news that a 12-team playoff could be in the offing and sooner than later. Hopefully that thing is cleared and we get going in 2023. I noticed a tweet a couple of days ago, Candy, from a guy named George Reister. Uh, George has been on our show many times. Uh, for a long time he was with uh, Fox Sports Radio. He just linked up with Sirius XM, so he does their last show of the night, uh, Monday through Friday or Sunday through Thursday, whatever it is. He's our late-night guy. And, you know, George played in the NFL, played with Jacks. He played in the Pac-12, California guy. And he dropped a cryptic tweet just a few days ago saying, hey, something's going to come out in college football that is going to potentially change the balance of power in the West, and it could alter legacies in the West. I'm like, ooh, okay. So what's the first thing you think of? The first thing I think of is, ooh, they got Oregon. Right? I mean, I guess it could be, ooh, they got USC. USC not exactly a superpower right now in terms of results. So today, uh, I don't think this is what George was talking about. And George actually said, hey, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is not what I was referencing. Uh, Did you see the news? that Arizona State is under investigation. Now, depending on who you're reading, what stories you read, it ranges from anywhere along the lines of illegal recruiting because they were recruiting during the dead period to other folks saying they're being looked at for paying players. So Arizona State football and Herm Edwards in the crosshairs. Again, let's make that clear again for a team that played four games last year because they mishandled their COVID situation 
had nearly the entire coaching staff test positive and ended up playing four games. And that and also, yet, I should break in, that also is part of the report. Now, this wouldn't be a – this is not going to you know be earth-shattering that, yeah, hell, we had a team in town, right? Actually, both of our football teams had a lot of trouble with COVID. If Herman Company mismanaged COVID and violated a lot of protocols – yeah, that's something very serious. It's not going to sideline the program. I don't think they're going to penalize them by taking scholarships away or a bowl ban. So there may be a lot to unpack here. And at the smallest level, the COVID stuff, uh, then talking to players, recruits during the dead period. And then, as I said, then there were really some serious allegations. Yeah, uh, where I was going with that was to say that not only were they you know, playing these games where you have a situation of you know, only four total on the season, but then – they're sneaking recruits around the building, according to this report in The Athletic, at the COVID games, at basically the only ones in the COVID season that they played in the first place. Now, you referenced some much more serious allegations in terms of payment to players. Uh, the article from The Athletic goes on to talk about how Herm Edwards is really just the CEO of this whole thing, that uh, he might know, he might not know, that Antonio Pierce is the one who's really kind of in the crosshairs because he's the one who's handling a lot of the day-to-day -day for ASU, so... I don't look at ASU as this is legacy-altering when it comes to the West. In fact, there were two things that I thought. One was I thought of Oregon. The next one was a lot closer to home. I thought it would be Boise State, potentially. But oh. uh, that would be something that would alter the balance of power in the West without question because of what Boise State has built up over the years. But hmm. it certainly seems like it's going to be closer to the Pac-12 than to the Mountain West. I like to follow recruiting, so I went back and looked at Arizona State's class from last year and their commits from this year. Uh, first of all, they don't have very many commits for 2022. There are some schools out there that have you know 15 and 18 commits already. I think Arizona State only has four or five. There's some super high-quality guys. And they're recruiting nationally, and they got a couple of four-stars. But last year's class, uh, if they were doing all that to get players, as the allegations say, they actually finished, uh, according to one service, 52nd in the country. <laughs> that would, and With their 2021 recruiting class, that would seem like a lot of trouble to go through to land that kind of class. That's, that is not earth-shattering. All right, we'll hit this, and we'll also bounce around college basketball, but especially the NBA and getting to uh, a lot of the coaching news today. We didn't even get to the fact that two coaches in the NBA were fired today. We'll bring in our own coach, Joe Esposito, is up on Cofield & Company. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. They're killing them in the paint, but they're going to keep jacking up threes just because that's how they play. Like Herm Edwards said, you played to win the game, and that was one of the dumbest games. Cofield and Company is talking college hoops with Joe Esposito. College hoops, NBA, college football. You hear Barkley on the way back, and oh, man. That's weird, isn't it? He just makes a random reference to Herm Edwards, and we were just talking about Arizona State, some blockbuster news out there that uh, ASU football could be in some trouble for a, a bunch of different reasons. Joe Esposito is now down in Arizona. Joe's coached all over the country, including UNLV. What's up, Coach? Nothing much, man. It's 118 degrees, but don't forget, it's a dry heat out here in Phoenix. Oh, boy. Do they not ban you in Arizona from talking about the heat? We've banned everyone connected with the show from talking about the heat here in Vegas. 
We all know what the heat is, Joe. We're all big fellas, not candy. We all get sweaty. We just deal with it. It's dry heat. I don't sweat at all. It's dry. You don't. Heat. I know. In Ve- I know. In Vegas, when you say it's hot, or they say they say, "Well, look at the look at the temperature in Phoenix. It's hotter." Yeah. But it is hot. It is hot out here. And talking about hot, hey, one of the one of the all time greatest college basketball coaches that a lot of people don't know who he is, Jim Fallon, who coached yeah. at Mount St. Mary. He made the bow tie famous. If you remember, he wore a bow tie. He coached at one school for forty nine years. And the one over 800 games. He passed away today at 92. He was one of the all-time greatest coaches. A guy that's not really well known by the college fans of today. But if you go back and do a little history check, we lost a great one in college basketball today in June Fallon. Uh, Joe, let me segue back. A nice job there mentioning uh, Fallon. Let me segue back to Herm Edwards. We don't know the the depth of potential violations here, but this is kind of an interesting story because. Herm is one of those guys, and there's very few of them, but Herm is one of those guys that kind of labeled a CEO of his staff, a CEO-type college uh, football coach. I wonder if it got him here in the fact that uh, maybe he wasn't checking all the nooks and crannies of the program as to what was going on. You know, that could be very, very true because, you know, when you're running a program – that that magnitude, not big, and you're you're the you know an NFL guy that really hasn't spent a lot of times in the college ranks. You know, do you actually really know what all of your thirty assistant coaches are doing at the football level? I mean, we talked about that you know in basketball sometimes with violations. You know, did the coach really know? You know, everybody talked about Rick Pitino. Did he really know? Did Rick Pitino really know there was girls naked dancing in the dorms to help recruit these kids? I mean, did he really know? They went down and swore they never knew anything about it. But do they really know what's going on at the football level? There's so many nooks and crannies, and and with the size of the program, and not actually knowing the rules. Probably, I mean, I'm sure he he's not as well known to the rules of the game at that level um, in recruiting as, as most college coaches would that came through the ranks, you know, of the college uh, football scene. So that could be very very possible. It's a big buzz out here right now about ASU sports in general. Bobby Hurley's been struggling, lost a ton of players. Now Herm Edwards is is under the uh, microscope, and uh, it'll be interesting to scoop. ASU is the type of program that if the NCAA gets a chance to, to smack them, they will. Um, and, I, and I think that might be possible if what they're saying is true. Joe, over in the association uh, last night, it, it was really difficult for me just enjoying the game of basketball to watch the Bucks not only have Kevin Durant go nuclear on them, but just look like a team that couldn't get out of its own way for the second half at the very least. Uh, what did you see in that game? Did you see anything in particular that you think from a coaching perspective you're like, hey, you know what, the Bucks should have made an adjustment? Yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting because that was one of the better games that I've seen in a long time. And when I saw that they were, the Nets were down 16 at half, you know, it really surprised me at first. And I was thinking, well, Harden's coming back. And, and then to look at the fact that, you know, Harden did have a poor game. Um, he was 1 for 10 and 0 for 8 and 3. And, but he did have 8 assists and 6 rebounds. And you have to respect him on the court as a player. But when they started coming back and making that run and the energy started to change in the arena, and uh, I don't know what the Bucks could have done. I really don't. I mean, I think they took some shots maybe that they – that were um, you know trying to get it all back or trying to stay in the game. It took some terrible shots at times, 
But Durant was absolutely unconscious. I mean, he was making plays in that fourth quarter. The shots he was making were uh, damn near half court. I mean, you're talking about 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. And, you know, is he the greatest of all time? Is he the best basketball player to walk the planet right now? And, and there's a lot of argument about that. Everybody talks about LeBron James and all the things that LeBron's done. But, man, oh, man, was Durant fun to watch last night. He was smooth as can be. You know, he's the first player to ever have at least 45 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists in a playoff game. And, uh, you know, and he didn't have a, he doesn't have a ton around him. When you look, Green came off the bench and uh, made seven threes for the Nets. He scored 27 points off the bench. But uh, the Nets aren't very deep. You know, they go seven deep on the uh, – seven. they play seven deep. You know, they start the Brown kid, who I absolutely love, Bruce Brown. He's a guy that I've always been a big fan of. I recruited him when he was at Vermont Academy, great high school player. I actually went to go recruit him. I think I mentioned this on the show one time, and uh, I watched him play soccer. Um, at his school, you have to play a sport every, you know, you have to play a different sport every season, and he ended up playing soccer. So it was pretty, uh, it was pretty fun to see him do that, but I don't know if the Nets are going to be deep enough. If they don't get anything out of Harden and Kyrie's out, I don't know if they're deep enough. But the, also, the other thing about Durant, man, coming off an Achilles injury like he did, hamstring problems, amazing, amazing performance. It was fun to watch. And I think the Bucks just couldn't do anything, to be honest with you. I don't know what kind of adjustments you could make. He was Superman out there last night, and there was no stopping him. Over on the other side, jeez, Joe, this Clippers franchise. I, I mean, just when you think even 10 years ago when it looked like they started to have something go in their direction with Lob City, it's always something it's always something in the way of this team and here we go again with Kawhi Leonard Uh, do you think the Clippers have any chance against the Jazz if Kawhi Leonard can't get back on the floor you know I don't I I really don't I think if he can't get back he's gonna miss game five um you know the Clippers have fought back in the series you know being down two, coming back these last two games he's averaging 27 a game in the series seven rebounds I mean I I think that's really gonna hurt and this all circles around to what LeBron James said. I don't know if you've been following the tweets with LeBron James and knowing you guys how much homework you do and how much you know about sports. I'm sure you've seen the LeBron James criticizing the NBA for, for bringing him back so soon and how the injuries are really taking part because of COVID. Um, you know, they wanted a longer offseason. The NBA players wanted a longer offseason, and they give it to them. When you look at the injuries that have changed this playoff um the results, you know, if the Lakers had Davis, you know, what are the what are the Phoenix Suns have, have been okay and ran through that series? You know, the Nuggets had don't have Murray, Celtics didn't have uh, uh, Jalen, um, Kawhi's out, uh, Kyrie's out, Harden was out. I mean, think about all the injuries that we've seen in the NBA because of the shortened off season. And these guys, some of these guys are getting older, and they need the break and they need the time. So I think LeBron made a good point. I mean, he knows more than anybody. If anybody's fit and ready to play a basketball season, knows how long it takes to get ready to perform at the highest level, he's the guy. And I think you're seeing injuries take a toll on a lot of these teams, and uh, that's going to be the case with Kawhi. If Kawhi's not going to be out there, they're, they're a different team. And now how about Phoenix with, with Chris Paul? Chris Paul's on COVID you know, the, uh, protocol. I don't know what that's all about. Another, that was the second story after the Arizona State story today here in Phoenix that's been buzzing around. Yeah, you're not, uh, you're not at any deficit for news down there in, uh, in Phoenix today. There's no question about that. 
Also, plenty in the news about uh, coaching changes in the NBA. Joe, this is amazing to me. Nate Bjorkring gets one year in Indiana. Out. Stan Van Gundy gets one year in New Orleans. Out. How can you get anything done in one year as a coach? Yeah, it is crazy. And Van Gundy was really you know, interesting because, you know, Van Gundy's the kind of guy that definitely changed programs. And, I mean, after one season, he's 31 and 41, doesn't make the playoffs. He won 60% of his games in Miami. He went, you know, uh, went to the Eastern Finals. He won 65% of his games in Orlando. I mean, he didn't have the greatest run in Detroit when he was there. He had one winning season. But um, when you look at he made a final appearance in Orlando. He's got pieces down there. They were injured at times. They went through the COVID issues. And uh, he's out of there. That's crazy. And now Scott Brooks at Washington. I mean, the Wizards go to the playoffs for the first time in three years. They lose the 76ers first round, and he's out. You know, and they went through 13 days without a game because of COVID. There were seven players that were quarantined on his team. I mean, I can't understand how quick they're, they're yanking these guys. There's six NBA jobs open right now. When you look at Boston, Indiana, New Orleans, Orlando, Portland, and Washington, um, it doesn't make sense. And, and just in the Wizards situation, you know, they were 17-32, and 32, and they won 17 of their last 23 games to get the eighth seed. And kind of like what Knicks did. You know, the Knicks kind of did the same thing. The Knicks were really bad at the beginning of the year, and they kind of turned the corner. Same with Atlanta. Same with Atlanta. Atlanta did the same thing, and I think Nate will end up keeping that job um, in Atlanta. So it looks like the NBA is really a high-pressure situation now where if you don't get it done in one year, what you, you should, they think you should do, they're going to move you on. And I'll tell you this, too. After talking to a lot of NBA guys, and I know a lot of NBA coaches, a lot of these guys do say that the players have a, a large say in who the coach is. So if there's a, if there's a franchise guy, and I'm not saying Beal is the guy in Washington that, that got in the ear of the, you know, of the management and said, you know, we need to change. But there's been plenty of coaching changes in the NBA because the players are not happy with that coach. And that's just a sad situation. You know, you're dealing with a lot of egos at that level. And uh, some of this stuff, Van Gundy, I know, is a, is a hard-nosed coach. He's a guy that really emphasizes defense. Who knows what may have happened there, you know, behind closed doors. Joe Esposito, the coach, is up on Cofield and Company. A couple of uh, college basketball notes. First of all, good story on ESPN.com talking about the Big 12 and the, the haves and the have-nots and ranking the most attractive places to go in terms of what they have at that school in the Big 12. They had Kansas in Tier 1. Texas was in Tier 2. Are we sure that's the case anymore? Well, you know, it, it, as far as some of the areas, I think it is. You know, when I was in that league and I recruited in that league for three years when I was at Texas Tech, and the thing about Kansas is it's got that tradition. It's got that rich tradition, and that's their number one sell to a recruit. You're coming to Kansas. We won 14 straight Big 12 regular season titles. We're the best elite program in that league. And then if you go and watch a game, you notice whenever they have a recruit on campus, they're either at their Midnight Madness celebration or they're in the Allen Fieldhouse for a big home game. It doesn't matter if they're playing TCU or they're playing Texas. Allen Fieldhouse has the same buzz no matter what you get. Now, Texas, being the richest program in the United States, they have the most money of any program in the country. I mean, if they can fire a football coach and pay him $15 million and bring Chris Beard in for $5 million, they got some money now. And not only that, Texas is the only team in the league that has their own TV network. They've got a TV network. They're in Austin, which is by far the best city of all the places. Could you imagine going to Stillwater in Oklahoma State and living out there? People don't like Lubbock, Texas, and play for Texas. I love Lubbock. 
People yeah. didn't like Lubbock, Texas. So I really believe the difference between Texas and Kansas is the fan support. And now that they're building a new facility and Chris Beard's there, and he's been known to just do wonders with um, fans, getting fans to the game, student body to the game, I promise you Texas is going to slide that number one spot uh, before you know it. Uh, Texas just landed uh, another high-impact uh, transfer in Trey Mitchell from UMass, a guy who averaged 19 and 7, uh, was a top 10 according to CBS on their transfer list. So they've got uh, three of the top 20, five out of the top 85 uh, out of those 1,700 players who were in the portal. Uh, real quick, speaking of UMass, I saw a little buzz on this um, on the uh, sports radio stations in the New England area in Boston. You see UMass is going to have some statues around their arena of uh, both John Calipari and Marcus Camby. you think there's anything weird with that since – you know, eventually uh, they did get in trouble for, uh, you know, a scandal with the NCAA. Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting deal. And, and it's been asked uh, by many people in, in the basketball community is that, man, can you believe they're doing this? Um, it is a little bit shocking. I mean, UMass is in the bottom of the barrel as far as basketball programs go. And uh, maybe they're trying to get some buzz and some, something going, to try to get some enthusiasm back there and let people know that we can win here. That Camby was a big time player here, and Calipari, you know, got them to where they went. Now they did cheat, and they did get caught, and all their banners have been taken down. Um, but I do personally have a problem with that. I don't you think I want to promote that. Didn't they take Joe Paterno's statue down at Penn State? Well, it's a little, little different, isn't it? Uh, violating some recruiting rules as compared to enabling a creep for years and years and years. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. Well, that, that, that's that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. But then on the flip side. Did Jerry Arcarcanian ever have any violations? Technically? I mean, did he have any violations? I mean, I sat next to him in that, <laughs> in that hottest. That is the absolute hottest chair in Las Vegas. Have yeah. you ever gone out there in the summer and sat on that chair and took a picture? Oh, on the, on the, at the statue, the Tark statue? Yeah. Yeah. I have not. Let me, well, let me tell you. Yeah. You go out there. I went out there for a picture. I got the job at UNLV. Yeah. I'm all excited. I can't wait. It was like I, my dream was to be at UNLV, and it still is. I love UNLV. I sat on that chair, and I started to smell bacon. I'm like, what in the hell? Is <laughs> it? it was my behind. Yeah, I believe it. I believe that it. That was a hot chair. I'll, but, I'll, hey, they got a statue there of him. Yeah, yeah. So whether I agree with it or not, I, I think the Calipari thing is, is just going to bring some buzz to that school, and that school yeah. needs a little lift me up. And I will take up for Calipari because uh, – I actually was in school when Calipari was just starting at UMass, and I remember going up and calling games at the Curry-Hicks cage, and you cannot believe if you'd never been to uh, Amherst and Springfield uh, what Cal was starting with and what he built. I mean, it was, it was an amazing – and, hey, did he do it the way a lot of other people were doing it at the time? Um, yeah, he did because there were a lot of people doing the same thing. So I don't mind him uh, – I don't mind them putting up a statue in honor of Calipari because the job he did was ridiculous. Yeah, and the job he's done everywhere he's been, you know, and he went to Memphis. Look what he did in Memphis. I mean, seriously, you know, he took Memphis, you know, with Derrick Rose and that whole deal there, and they got in trouble too. And But you know, think about what he did at Memphis. I mean, Memphis just put them on a map, made them they're – they're a non-Power 5 school, made everybody think they're a Power 5 school for sure, and they still have that reputation to this day thanks to what he did and now what he's doing at Kentucky. You know, he's only won one national championship. People are down about that. But look at all the pros he's put out there and what he's done for the game of basketball. So – I think that he's definitely a guy that's been a positive influence on, on the game in a lot of ways. Joe, good spot. Make sure you're hydrating. Yeah, definitely. No question about it. You guys have a great day. And uh, 
Candyman. We miss you, man. I'm glad to hear you back. Good to be here, buddy. Good to hear you. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Candy is definitely Joe's favorite. He is definitely, there's no doubt. Uh, and I'll tell you this. Uh, we'll get to this topic because Gruden dropped a good one today about the energy vampires. Esposito, definitely not an energy vampire, which I kind of feel like on Cofield and Company is a little unusual. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. Now, back to Cofield and Company. It's a sign that we're progressing, and I know everybody wants to jump the gun and get a full building back. And We want to keep that positive momentum. And I don't think the Quebec government wanted to provide an exception for just the Bell Centre. This is a rule that applies to all public arenas. And, you know, let's take each gradual step to get to a place where we never have to go backwards again. And Amen to that, Eric. I think any fans is better than none. And I'm sure Montreal will appreciate all that support. A couple of the voices on Sportsnet. Not that we're looking ahead to game three. Not that we're suggesting that the Golden Knights will be up 2-0 in the series. But Danielle Mishab, I think is how you pronounce it, and uh, Eric Engels on Sportsnet talking about Montreal's capacity going up to 3,500 for games three and four and explaining briefly there that it's a slow process in Quebec and, you know, they don't want to make a mistake by giving the Canadians special privileges and then have this thing all unwind and be back in COVID hell sooner than later. We got more Golden Knights preview talk coming up with Adam Hill in about 10 minutes. He'll also uh, tell us what's going on at Raiders camp the last couple of days. I really found this quote very interesting from John Gruden. Finally, some access to Coach Gruden today for the uh, Raiders media, and he was talking about, no surprise, his love for guys who love football. Uh, we have guys that like each other, that love football, that like the preparation. A lot of these guys play for nothing. You know, They would come out here and, and, and keep practicing if I didn't blow the whistle. So we don't have any energy vampires. We got guys that like the game that are going to compete, and um, we have some talent. We have some young, uh, exciting talent, and that, that's what excites me the most. Man, I would love I love the energy vampires. I love that. I love that term. I hadn't heard that before. I guess uh Ari, you and Clay were talking about Cofield and Company, and Clay was like, Yep, the energy vampire. I don't know why you assume we were talking about Cofield and Company. We were just chatting, but yeah. He coined to me, he coined the phrase I'm sure someone else did, but that's the first time I ever heard it was Clay Baker. I like it. Candy, you like it? Oh, not the first time I've heard it. No. Hmm. I'm uh I'm loving Gruden using it though. A fun situation for that. The more I thought about it, do we need to finally just take my name off the title of the show and just go with Energy Vampires from 2 to 6 every uh, Monday to Friday? I feel like I'm getting stuck in a pretty large bucket here. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. What, the, what, what happened to me? What did I do? Um, what did I do? I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll I, ask you. you. Look, look on your camera right now, Cofield. You will see the espresso that I sh- sucked down an hour before this show to make sure that I was properly energy ready. Oh, I don't, I don't think this is about being right, low go. energy. I, I don't think this is about being low energy. I think it's about, as Gruden aptly said there, without saying it, sucking energy. Oh. Yeah. Like a vampire. Yes. But that would mean that someone here is removing energy from someone else. What are you uh, trying well, to say? My question would be, who isn't 
an energy vampire on Cofield and Company. Who isn't? Well, I mean, let's start with the obvious. No one's a bigger energy vampire than Ari. Like, like just the amount of freakout that Ari puts out into the world is enough that sucks the energy from everyone else. Like, oh, my God, what's wrong? What's no, wrong? I'm what's wrong? Giving energy. Yeah. Uh, no one asked for it, though. No one, <laughs> no one asked for the energy you're giving out. Uh, Adam Hill lives to suck the energy out of other people. That is exactly why he exists. That is that, that is why he's on this earth in the first place. Um, Cofield, do you really feel like you're an energy vampire? You really Yes, you, yes. For certain what, people, who are you taking it from? For certain people, yes. First of all, I've been dubbed the Soul Crusher. So with a Soul Crusher nickname, you, you're definitely an energy vampire. And yeah, like even an exchange behind the scenes today with Ari. Um, Ari tried to start the energy vampire movement because I was asking for um, the French call of the Cole Caulfield goal for Montreal because I always get a kick out of the fact that, you know, that we've got, you know, a bilingual set of broadcasters on the Montreal side. Uh, Ari looked for it, you know, saying that he looked everywhere. And then 30 seconds later, I sent him a French cut of Caulfield play by play. And in, in that case, me sending it and then busting his chops is kind of an energy vampire. You could have just sent it in the first place, right? Without without commentary. No, I didn't, here's the thing, Ari. I didn't have it. Oh, I really yeah. when I asked you because I asked you at like ten in the morning. I really didn't have it. And then when you said once once you say there's a hurdle that you can't overcome, guess what mode I go into? I am gonna find. I, it doesn't matter how insignificant or g damn stupid the audio is. I'm going to find it. So that's a fact. But but I admit I can be an energy vampire when I bust your chops about not finding it. I could just send it and go, hey, here's where I found it. This is where you can find it in the future. True. And I don't want to be too positive here, but, you know, sometimes that can actually give a good energy. Like, ah, you know, I want to I want to match that energy or, mm. you know, work up. I'm not sure that's the way it works out. Sometimes. Did we all not start doing the same thing, though, when, when we saw and heard John Gruden say this and start going through who was subtracted from the roster this past year? Like, I immediately started looking to say, who's not with the team anymore? Who who is the one that well, left that was stealing the energy? That's a good setup. Let's take the break here. We'll come back. We'll get Adam Candy's answer on who the energy vampire or vampires were on the Raiders roster. And I'm sure Adam Hill has a couple of suggestions as well. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Gus Bradley, Milas, Marinelli, our coaches have done a great job on defense and I think we're better. I think we have a chance to be much better and a lot deeper. and It'll be more competitive. We've made some some changes that are, in some people's eyes, questionable, but we're, we're younger. I think we're faster. I think we do have more depth. Hanging at Bailiwick inside of the Orleans, it's Cofield and Company. John Gruden speaking today to the media, talking about some of the changes. Let's get the latest on... Raiders news, as you're uh, listening to Cofield and Company right here on Energy Vampire Sports Radio 1100, 100.9 FM. We are going to rebrand the station. The more I thought about it during the break, Candy, um, I don't know that we have anyone on the air locally who isn't an energy vampire, except for you. I would say you and John Von Tobel have the best chance of saying, hey, I'm not an energy vampire. I'm not around enough to be an energy vampire. I, I'm, I'm just a but guy. You're strong, who... But you're strong when you're here. Well, thank you. I, I try not to be uh... – I try not to be an energy vampire to, you know, to, to Steve Cofield. I mean, Ari, yeah, I mean, just, I probably I probably make Ari crazy all the time. What time can, time can you test, Adam? Time can you test? I'll be there at 
one thirty gets there, Ari texts me. Hey, you ready, Seth? No, nah, I'll be there in ten minutes. Two question uh, marks. Two question marks. Two question marks. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be there one forty-five. I'll be there eventually. I wonder if Adam Hill at Raiders camp, uh, if he rolled his eyes on the energy vampire comment from Gruden. What's up, Adam? Hey, what's going on? Now, if you're going to name the station, you know, Energy Vampire Radio or whatever you're going to call it, I mean, was Trent Brown here long enough to get a station named after him? <laughs> so that was clearly a reference to Big Trent. Of course it was. I, mean, I, I don't think there was any question. I don't even think it was that veiled. I think it's pretty clear that's who he was talking about it. That's who he was taking a shot at. And you know, it seemed to be what he was saying was, you know, Trent Brown zapped a lot of energy from this team just by, you know, being negative and kind of pulling that attention in a, in a direction that was not on the field and not, you know, pulling in the right, you know, in the right way, uh, you know, rowing in the right direction with everybody else. And, you know, that, that was kind of a hindrance to last year's team. I thought that was pretty clear uh, where he was going with that. And uh, I don't think he had to say the name for everybody to really understand right away what he meant. But if you're, I don't know, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, Jeff Heath, Nelson Aguilar. You're not, none of you are sitting there right now thinking to themselves, I wonder if he's talking about me. Well, I, I mean, I think that goes to um, something I think Steve Cofield will be very proud of and happy about, and just to say, hey, if you weren't one, you don't have anything to worry about, right? Yep. <laughs> exactly. If you, if, you, if you start getting worried, then, you're, then you probably were an energy vampire. Sure. If you're taking offense I mean, to it. If you get offended, then, then 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 you know it's you. Yeah, I mean, which of those guys do you think is sitting back and saying like, "Wait, was he talking about me?" I, I don't I don't think you really would. I mean, you know, Nelson Aguilar. You haven't heard a, a person say a negative word about whether he was here or wasn't. Um, you know, all those guys were you know seemed to be at least sort of working toward you know doing their role and doing their job and helping the team try to move forward. I mean, there's one guy that everybody's kind of been not openly again. I will consider this being openly critical of Trent Brown. You could make the case maybe that that wasn't it. Maybe there was somebody else. Something. Else. I, I feel like he was directly going after Trent Brown, um, and you know, there's not that many guys that they've openly gone after uh, the last couple of years. You know, Antonio Brown, Trent Brown uh, are kind of at the top of the list, but there's not many other ones. All right. So outside of talking about energy vampires, what did we learn from John Gruden at Raiders practice today? I mean, nothing. I, I, I don't. I don't think we learned much. And you know, I think part of why John Gruden hasn't talked um, is that you know he'll he doesn't judge a whole lot. He doesn't base a whole lot until he sees guys in pads at full speed, and you know doesn't really know uh, what to say about them up until then. I mean, he's you know a guy that loves to talk about the uh, the football and, and everything you know everything that they're doing. Uh, you know, working toward getting better, and I don't think he thinks they're getting significantly better before you get pads on and everything. But um, I think you can you can take a little bit. I mean, you take those things. You take the the shot at Trent Brown. You take um, guys he's excited about for some reason. DJ Turner, which I thought was a hilarious just moment where he just drops in. You know, EJ Turner, the young returner from Pitt. Love this kid. Like, where did that come from? Um, it, in fact, it was funny. But one of the last plays of. Uh, the practice today that we got to watch was DJ Turner dropping a a throw, uh, which was a tennis ball. They were using tennis balls to simulate footballs in return uh, practice. But you know Turner was back there and he dropped the tennis ball, and it was kind of a noticeable moment where uh, 
me and Case Kiefer from the Sun kind of looked at each other like, oh, that, that, that's not going to help his cause. But who? that's overreacting completely. I mean, you know, this is one rep in a, you know, in a mini camp with training camp not even having started yet. And then John Gruden, of course, uh, talks about how much he, he's liked out of him. But nobody really knows until you get closer uh, to training camp, getting the pads on, going full speed. It's just, you know, you can hurt yourself right now. You're not really going to help yourself. I have watched a lot of football. I've watched a fair amount of football practices as a reporter in my life. Um, do you think that the problem that the Raiders had last year was that they didn't do enough tennis ball practice? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead right now and say that that was the case. Okay. I mean, it was, it was helpful for I think for like hand eye coordination that sort of thing. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I know that's kind of where I was at too, but. Um, we know that Derek Carr can throw a football. We don't know if he can throw a tennis ball. Um, and here we are for – I'm not doing the math correctly here, but I think the 100th straight off season, talking about Derek Carr and is he going to be with the Raiders and what's going to happen. Now Derek Carr is talking about it, and Derek Carr is falling on his sword. If I don't play here, I don't play anywhere, I'd probably retire. Adam, why are we doing this again? Why, why are we doing the Derek Carr, is he or isn't he, one more time? Because I mean, well, first of all, Derek Carr did this. I mean, this this is him and and what he said and and you know, there were so many things from Derek Carr's you know, uh, you know portion with the media yesterday that I just kind of you know I don't know what to make of it necessarily. But you know, first of all, the I'd just retire if I was sent somewhere else, like. You're just looking and saying, "Wait a minute, was he just trying to purposely sabotage his tra- trade value? Like, is that what he's doing? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why you would say that. I don't know why uh, you would make that point because you know full well if you get traded tomorrow, and he's not going to, they're fine with him. But if he gets traded tomorrow, you know full well his quote the first day is going to be, you know, I can't wait to get out there and show what I can do, and you know, I'm, I'm going to do everything for this team. I've always looked like this team. Like, he would of course go play somewhere else." if that's what it called for. So I don't know why he did it. I think, you know, it was, you know, how you, you got the Dave, the Derek Carr people out there that, you know, rushed and said, hey, look, look how committed this guy is. Look how much this guy loves the organization. And you've got the negative Derek Carr people, you know, scoffing at it and mocking it a little bit. Uh, you're not going to change people's mind. It's, a, it's another, you know, premeditated Derek Carr you know, weird saying that means nothing. That's not going to do anything to change anyone's mind. I, I don't know. It was it was a weird time yesterday, and I will say that my favorite takeaway uh, was you know Derek Carr talking about not needing anything. He could walk away now. Why? Well, because you know he grew up with nothing. So what what would it matter if he had nothing now? Well, we all know he didn't grow up with nothing. Uh, Ten years old, his brother became a multi-millionaire, uh, and also. Uh, let's also realize that he's got plenty. It's not like he would walk away and have nothing now. He'd walk away and have enough. So uh, you're always just kind of confused by a lot of what Derek Carr says. Adam Hill is with us. He's also covering the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals, Final Four. Give me the take from the Canadian side the last day and a half, uh, you know, following the game yesterday because you're covering the, the Montreal side of things in terms yeah. of their energy and maybe what they learned from game one. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just – I don't know if it's trying to convince themselves or uh, if they truly believe it, but it's been a lot of what it was after the game of, hey, look, for 20 minutes you were the better team. And of, of all the talk about how 
you know, you're overmatched here, and the Golden Knights are the clear favorite, and uh, do you even belong in the series, and is it going to be a sweep, and all this, all this other talk. Well, for 20 minutes, there's no question that you were a better team. And so I, I think that's, that's kind of the theme they're going with. And again, that could just, just be trying to talk yourself into confidence. Um, I, I don't know what that, you know, what the reason for that is, but that is exactly where they are right now. And they're, they're trying to capitalize on that, capitalize that and move forward. Um, but the bottom line is, I think if they were honest about it and anybody watching it is honest about it, the Golden Knights are the better team. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win. Any, you know, anybody can win a series and anything can go wrong here and there, but, uh, the Canadians are underdogs. They are a big underdog, and for a reason, they're not as good. Uh, so they're going to have to do some things here and there to change that. And that would be, you know, taking advantage of power play opportunities, taking advantage of, you know, when things go, you know, just slightly wrong here and there. You've got to take advantage of your opportunities if you're going to come through uh, as an underdog. And they did not do that at all the other night. You know, not only did they commit too many penalties and put themselves in a hole. But when they did get chances, they didn't. They didn't convert. They didn't get great looks. Even they got great looks, they didn't get great shots uh, when they had the puck around the net. Uh, there was little things like, you know, Flurry had a couple of really bad misplays behind the net early in the game that looked like they could have resulted in really good scoring opportunities. They didn't, um, and so all those chances that the Canadians kind of had, uh, especially in the first twenty-five minutes of that game. Uh, to not take advantage of any of them, that's not how you win a series as an underdog. They have to change that. Doesn't look like they're going to get help from uh, Jake Evans, who was questionable early this morning, but according to uh, Renaud Lavoie of uh, TVA Sports, Evans not going to play, still suffering concussion symptoms. Do we see Jeff Petrie? It's possible. Uh, I know they were optimistic. They you know, he came on the trip just to uh, maybe have that, uh, that chance that he could play, I think if you know if there was no chance, uh, and if there was even um, you know a very little chance, I think maybe you would have kept him home and you know got him those couple extra days without that travel uh, to to try to get ready. So I think that there was some optimism that that he was going to be able to go, and I think that's uh, what they're hoping. But you know we will see. It's it's another uh, another one of those things like uh, not quite like the Golden Knights, but. Um, you know, they don't like to reveal a whole lot. I think that they are uh, keeping it a little bit close to the vest here, and we'll find out. And keep in mind, these are key injuries. I mean, uh, Petrie's oh, a guy yeah. that does a lot for them, and Evans was on the, the uh, that front line along with uh, along with Gallagher. Oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, Petrie in particular, a guy who's a leader, kind of pushes a lot, uh, is on the ice a ton. Um, and, again, you know, we talk about this injuries all the time in hockey, but uh, Bears repeating, especially at the Canadians, where – um, you know, it's it's not just that you lose that guy. It's that everybody else has to, you know, play that much more. And if you lose a guy who plays that many minutes uh, for you and, and locks things down, uh, and then everybody has to kind of change their roles, it, it is a completely different dynamic to your team. And I think um, the Golden Knights have not, you know, they're not going to have sympathy for anybody. They've been through their fair share uh, throughout the year and a little bit earlier in the postseason. Uh, but, you know, there is also that realization that those things do matter. And when you have a guy that uh, has to, you know, adjust that much for the playing time that's that's out. And you have to move everybody else up in the shift. Well, that that does change. You know, who's out there? Who's out there for how long? And uh, how much they give you? And, and then if you're playing more, sometimes you're not as effective. Uh, a lot of those things change based on who's in the game. So that that was a big big loss for them. And you know, a lot of guys talked about that after the game. You know, without having them out there, it does it does impact what this team looks like. But again, Golden Knights aren't crying for anybody. P1 listener uh, Sean and Cofield & Company content contributor 
claims that uh, you are gaining a casual understanding of French. I don't believe that. That I am? Well, I yeah. listen, I took French for four years. It's all coming back, baby. Uh, yeah, it's not. It, it, I, <laughs> Did you not hear my pronunciation of the uh, the media member earlier? Uh, come on, let's go. Pick it up. We both took French in high school. It's uh, it's finally, you know, now we have a chance. Fuse it. Uh, sure. We've got a chance. Uh, I don't, listen, I, I will tell you that the Canadians send out all their press releases in French. Um, and then, you know, it has the English translation in there at some point, but it's, you know, the subject line and, uh, all the early stuff in the email is always French. And I'm like, and I try, I try, I try. Then I'm like, ah, find me the English. I can't do it. But I'm, you know, maybe if I covered him for longer, if the series goes seven games, maybe I'll pick up a little bit more. All right. Well, good luck with it. it I'm going to try it. Half in the, it is half and half in the press conference, though. So, uh, you know, only half. I certainly am and I'm on deadline. I'm not trying to translate uh, French to English. So pretty much half the questions I have to just throw out. Adam, have fun tonight. I'll try. All right, 4 o'clock hours on the way. Uh, Les Formations pour la duel de soir. Uh, Jeff Petrie, a, uh, Jake Evans pour un revenu à jour. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.